Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to this program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and of course, their kids. Um, we have a rather serious subject to talk about today, but I wanted to get my good friend Laura Carno on. Um, hey, Laura. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing well. Laura is a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. She's a political media strategist, and she is the founder and executive director of Faster Colorado, an organization that trains um, armed K through 12 school staff at no cost to the school. I think people can probably figure out why I wanted to have uh, Laura on today. It's it's great to see you, Laura. And I know these are tough subjects, but um you know, just to give the audience a quick overview, we had a 28-year-old woman, um, a former student at a Nashville Christian school. Uh, she identified as transgender. Um, uh, so, and I, but this was a woman who identified as a man, but it was a woman, kind of rare in terms of mass shootings. But in this case, it was a woman. She went into this um, Tennessee private school, grade school. She killed three students and three adults. Um, including the head of the school. And then the the shooter was killed by police. She had a manifesto. She was clearly uh, mentally um, uh, struggling mentally. Um, and again, these, these victims were killed at Covenant School, which is this, this, um, this little elementary school. Um, I don't like to say shooters names on this, but of course, uh, we have a media uh, fixated on, I mean, it's, it is, it has been, a, I tell you, Laura, it's been a really weird media narrative because almost instantly it went to, you know, trans day of vengeance and trans rights, which nobody's even talking about the victims that aside though. Um, and let's try to take that stuff out of the conversation. The bottom line is, is a shooter got into a school and now the police who uh, who reacted, did an exquisite job, near perfect job reacting. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But the bottom line is, and I don't know the exact time, I can't remember, but it was a very short time um, from the shooting to the reaction from the police officers. And thank goodness there weren't more um, more victims. But the bottom line is no one was armed in that school. Yeah, um, that, that we know of. That we know of, yes. right. Yeah, there, so, there's there's some indication that there that one of the 911 calls, an employee said we have some armed people, but there's oh. no no detail out about that. They could have been one of the people who were shot. Yeah, um, they could have not been there that day. So and so I'd like to say it that way that we know of. Yeah, okay, that we, and that's that's smart. Um, but this kind of it seems to have gone down a lot like other school shootings where you had to wait for a police presence. Um, for there to be any, I mean, we'll take out Uvalde, but there had to be a, a police presence um, to, to take down the shooter or arrest the shooter. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about some other options. And one of those options is arming school staff. This is something that you do. You help train, train school staff. Talk to me about what that means, because I think a lot of parents hear that and they go, but well, not all, but some parents are genuinely curious, yeah. but there was a video this week of, um, I can't remember, you know, where it was, but a city council actually approved a plan to arm teachers. And of course, mom's demand was there and, uh, you know, 
causing quite a ruckus um, and, and sort of yelling and saying, this is terrible. We shouldn't have guns in schools. Tell me what arming schools does, what arming teachers actually does. Yeah, and and um, I'll keep the language at arming school employees or arming school staff. Um, in our seven years of uh, doing training for these um, armed heroes in our schools, um, only about 40% of them are actually teachers. And so I, I just want folks yeah. to understand that this could be yeah. coaches and janitors and principals yep. and counselors and all kinds of folks. Um, so let's use Nashville as the example. So so it was 14 minutes um, between when it started and when it ended. And that include most of that was then the law enforcement getting to the school. So the question is, and, and you know, undoubtedly they changed, they, uh, uh, saved lives, um, because it could have been seven or 20, yeah. um, adults, th- their lives are valuable too. So how do we, um, from the minute, um, somebody comes in to try and harm people, how do we save that first child, that second child, that first teacher? Um, and the only way you can do it is having well-trained armed adults um, in the school. So that could be a school resource officer. And we love our school resource officers. They do lots of things besides uh, you know, stop active killers. And they create good relationships with children and law enforcement and that sort of thing. Um, but the school resource officer, Officers can't be everywhere at once. And um, most school districts that have school resource officers, they are shared among many campuses. And if you're a killer, if you um, have these terrible things in your mind that you want to go, you're not going to start your crime right in front of a uniformed armed school resource officer. So, um, and there's lots of indication in, in cases of school shootings where there was an SRO that uh, they waited until the SRO was gone or in a different building or what have you. So, so we love our SROs um, and they can't be everywhere at once. Also they're expensive. They, you know, you're paying depending on where in the country um, between 40 and $80,000 a year for these and folks. If I, and if I can just interrupt be, there, too, um, if, I, if I can just interrupt there too. Also, SROs are often within the budget of the police department, and we know that a lot of police departments are facing cuts right now. And so often, you know, they have to make a choice. So they're, I mean, and I've I've seen cases of well, we got rid of the SROs because our police budget has been cut so much, and that's part of this whole defund police and um, uh, movement that's that's driven that. So I think yep. that's another contributor to getting rid of SROs because they don't have the budget. So go on, I just want to make right. that right. I had a call with a rural school district yesterday. SROs aren't an option because their local sheriff's office in this very rural area is just understaffed. They, right. they, they can't, they can't do the basics. So, um, so that's why so many school districts across the country, uh, not just um, here in Colorado where, where we are, so many school districts across the country have said, um, we have people who work here every day who, carry a firearm um, on their person outside of school every day. They're simply disarmed when they come on campus where they are arguably the most vulnerable. So there are, um, I, I would estimate, I mean, these are very quiet policies typically, but I would estimate there are probably, you know, five to 10,000 employees across the country. Um, so you have uh, schools and just, just so you know, Laura, and it's not that big of a deal, but there is a little bit of a break 
sometimes in your Wi-Fi. I don't know if your Wi-Fi is going in and out, but you're freezing a little bit on the screen. So just FYI, I don't know if you can do anything about that. But um, so there might be some awkward moments because, okay. um, um, but, uh, but I think, and they're quick, so it's not going to impede the conversation. But I do think that people um, assume when you say, arming teachers or arming school officials, that it's going to turn into the Wild West and that every teacher will be packing heat. Talk to me a little bit about how armed school officials, how, how, they're, how, how they're sort of, you know, carrying their weapon. Yeah, and it's really important to understand that these are volunteers. They're, they're, a hundred percent volunteers. Nobody is suggesting that everybody in a right. school be forced to be armed. Right, and so right. it turns out to be a handful of people in each, um, in each school building um, where this is implemented and um, everywhere that, that we are aware of uh, these school employees are carrying on their person. We refer to it as deep concealment. Nobody knows that they're carrying a firearm. And, and I think that's, um, parents like that too. Nobody's right. talking about having, um, you know, everybody open carrying a the, six shooter or like, <laughs> yes, that's, that's just not part of the discussion. Right. Um, but um, yeah, so they, they just go about their normal day. They're, they're teachers or janitors or uh, we have a lady uh, uh, come through our program, a school nurse uh, bus drivers. So lots of different positions. They are simply doing their jobs they are carrying a firearm. Nobody will know that they're carrying a firearm unless, God forbid, one of these terrible um, shootings or attempted shootings happen. They they are um, trained for one thing, um, and that's stopping that mass killing. They're not doing anything else cops do. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the training that you provide. Sure. So when a school gets authorized to have armed staff, and I'm going to speak um, in Colorado terms, it's very similar in other states. Um, but they, the school board would po- pass the policy. The, the school district goes to their insurance company and says, please insure us for this. It, there's usually an extra rider. And then the insurance company, sometimes state law, but usually the insurance company says your training needs to have this many hours and look like this. So that's the training that we provide here at Fast pass the same test as law enforcement has to pass to get out of the, um, the police academy just on their firearm skills. Um, so that's the training we provide is that annual training. Um, school boards say annual training isn't enough. You have to go get other training. And they do, might do that with local law enforcement. They might get together with other armed schools and do training together. Um, so we just do that annual training. But um, every school board is saying you're not training just annually. You're training monthly and quarterly as well. Okay. And then, um, I, you know, I'm interested in also how effective is is this I, I wouldn't say it's totally new, but for a lot of people, they're starting to think about this, that we have children and, and teachers as, you know, it, it always amazes me. You've got this dual conversation about how we have a mental health crisis in this country. And then the same people who are, you know, screaming about the mental health crisis in this country don't think that maybe we should arm school officials to protect kids who essentially are sitting ducks and, and teachers and school officials who are sitting ducks. Um, if a shooter gets in. So tell me about how the results of arming schools, hardening schools, I know this is kind of a part of hardening schools. Sure. Ha, are there, are there good, good 
data, is there good data that shows that this works? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to talk about the things that didn't happen if you don't know sure. that they didn't happen. But in the Nashville situation, uh, the police chief in one of his very early press conferences um, reported out that uh, in the shooter's manifesto was discussion of another school that she did not choose because it was a more hardened target. He sp- the words he the police chief used were something along the lines of um, better security, enhanced security. Mm-hmm. Don't know exactly what that was. It could have been already. Um, but so we have we have deterrence like that. Um, the Crime Prevention Research Center did a, a very extensive study of all the school shootings and zero of them have been in places with armed school employees. We'll, we'll see if Nashville changes that. Um, but, but Julie, here's, here's one of the things that, um, that is really important for people to know that, you know, we hear school employees don't have the mindset to save lives. Um, we see in every single one of these from Sandy Hook, um, Columbine up to the present ones, School employees keep running toward the sound of gunfire and putting their bodies between bullets and children to save lives. We know they have the mindset to save lives. Why are we expecting them to go run toward armed people, completely unprotected, completely unarmed? But we but we keep saying that's okay, and it's not okay. Right, right, right. Absolutely, and it is it is sort of insulting. You know, it's I keep talking about these. um, these contradictions that we're hearing in the media, you know, uh, teachers are the best things in the world and, you know, all this praise for teachers, much of it deserved. Um, and, you know, what they will do to protect their classrooms and their children. And yet you also have the left at the same time saying, but we shouldn't provide them again, you know, with the protection, with the personal protection that they need um, to take those those steps right. to protect not only themselves as they are trying to. So it is, it's galling a little bit to hear these, these messages coming out of the, the, out of the left, which opposes this, generally opposes this. I mean, I don't even know, are there any Democrats? Um, it seems like increasingly now the left t- tends to be in lockstep on a lot of these issues. Are you seeing any Democrats agree that the, I'm, and I, not just in Colorado, and you can talk about Colorado, you probably know that best, but nationwide, has there any support on the left for these kinds of measures? Yeah, you know, ge- generally speaking, if there, if there are Democrats out there across the country that are supportive of this, I'm, I'm not aware of them. But I'll also say that um, there's not a lot of, you know, like, at class, for example, there could be Democrats in our class and I wouldn't know it because right. we don't talk about politics. It's about saving children. So it's really, um, to well, me, it's but hard I'm talking, to say. I'm, ta- I'm talking about from a policy perspective, elected yeah. officials. It seems that the left, you know, uh, you, when I first ca- went to Capitol Hill, there were a lot of Democrats on Capitol Hill who supported the Second Amendment. That seems to be dwindling now. And I know that this is, I don't even feel like this is necessarily just a second amendment issue, although it is, you know, of course it is, but it's about child safety, which mm-hmm. uh, it, it is amazing to me that they, they seem to not be breaking, you know, again, with the narrative of the left, which is, you know, more gun control, more gun control. They, I can't, it's, it's frustrating to me that they can't see that this really isn't about that, that, that this is much more about protecting schools and protecting kids. So I'm always curious. Now, again, we have people on the right too, 
who don't support these measures either. Yes, you're you're exactly right. I'll, I'll leave it open to there could be um, pro-gun Democrats and pro-gun districts that would vote for something like this in their state. Um, you know, we've certainly had in, in Colorado, it's up to school boards, and we've certainly had Democrat members of school boards um um, be okay with this in their school districts. Um, but it, it, the, the, um, support, especially, you know, very vocal support of these policies tends to fall, um, on, on, um, just one side of the aisle. How are parents, you work in Colorado, you obviously train these teachers. Um, do you, do you know of parents who are opposed to this and, and how, how do you re, you know, I don't know if you've given testimony or gone to school board meetings or talked to people, but how do you reassure parents um, that this is actually a step to keep school officials, teachers and children safe and not sort of this is an invitation for more school shootings, which is a, a lot of what I hear. Yeah. And and let's be clear that none of that has ever happened in all of the thousands of incidents of of um, school employees carrying firearms. Yeah. There, there's never been a negligent discharge, an accidental anything, um, aside from one thing in Utah that happened where a, um, a armed school employee reholstering after using the restroom shot a toilet. Still bad, um, but nobody, no human has been hurt. Yeah. Um, and so, so I take their, their concerns seriously, but we have to look at the fact that nothing bad has happened. Um, but in these gun free, uh, schools where nobody is a killer to protect the children, in those cases, children keep dying. So, so let's look at that evidence. But the other thing is, um, our program, and it's very similar um, to some programs around the country, um, as well, um, such as in Ohio where this started, um, is our our instructors are all active duty law enforcement instructors. So the modules, so to speak, that law enforcement um, learns to stop active killers, same stuff that that our guys are are teaching in faster classes to these armed school employees. Um, we we teach at this point at um, law enforcement training facilities. We're using the same equipment. So it's a very high level of training and they pass a similar test that law enforcement passes to get out of the academy. Ours is actually tougher and we require they pass at 100%. Um, the schools have vetting processes. If anybody came through our class that we had concerns with, you know, especially the our guys that and so forth. Um, if we had concerns at class, we share that information back to the school. So there's lots of lots of levels of making sure these are the right people with the right skills um, who, you know, when the chips are down and it's it, there is no law enforcement there. They are the first responders. Laura, you are always a wealth of information and very reassuring, I think, uh, to a lot of folks who will be listening and watching uh, to this podcast. This is very helpful. Again, I always like talking to you, but it's always such a serious topic. Um, these are really serious issues. And I really I can't thank you enough for coming on here and, and um, shedding some light on these 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 new, I think, really important policy ideas to keep kids safe. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Great. Um, it was great to hear from Laura, um, and I would encourage everybody to check out the work that she does on uh, IWF.org. Uh, we also she also puts resources up on IW, IWNetwork.com. That's the Independent Women's Network. 
Um, lots of great uh, fact uh, fact sheets, policy focuses, um, talking points uh, that will help you um, really understand this issue better. Um, the the thank you for um, for watching today. The Bespoke Parenting Podcast with Julie Gunlock is a production of the Independent Women's Forum. You can send comments and questions to julie.gunlock at iwf.org. Please help me out by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment or review um, on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or iwf.org. Hang in there, parents, and go bespoke.